You are listening to Proudly Resents. Oh, reason. I, I can't even hear you. Hi, this is Sammy Wazell. Uh, proudly Resents. The Cult Movie Podcast. The Adam Biggest Men Show. To all you proudly resent listeners out there, just remember, <laughs> you can't get the hospitality. Uh, Adam Spiegelman here with Jeremy Scalar. Uh, Hello. So writer, director, producer. Right, we met, we worked together at uh, Kamal Bell. Totally, totally biased. biased. Yeah, you were the field producer there. Your story is you went from a, a PA to a director in one movie, and and just a backstory. Right, everybody wants to be a PA, and you we, we ever wants to be a director or producer, <laughs> like, and you really started as a PA. No, right. no one wants to be. A, <laughs> it is the funnest job in the world because it's like a scavenger hunt every day, <laughs> and you move up and you find your your way. I think. A PA is honestly like it doesn't matter what you want to do. Like you, you could go anywhere. I think more in independent filmland from there. That's just well, your story. Yeah. When did, so? When did you do this film? This is oh, the film is pretty is, recent. Is uh yeah, the film Free Runner. Free Runner, and that was 2011. And was- so, how did you get on the film? This is sort of the the promise of the premise of going from a PA. To By the way, I threatened director. you. This better, yes, be better be really good. <laughs> I've never threatened a guest before. The the business side of show business was a complete mystery. So I said, why don't I just try like I don't know, interning, PA, whatever. Just even like non paid, just even for a week or two, at one of these production companies. I don't, I don't know what they do at all. It was complete mystery to me. So I did. I wrote some company. A couple weeks later, I, you know, invited to intern at this company called Strategic Film Partners. So was whatever. Was running lunches, and you know, I told them what I wanted to do and where I was coming from, and I wasn't. I wasn't your typical twenty-year-old PA. I was probably. I think I was like thirty-five or something at the time, and they said, you know, we could use you know an extra hand just to get ready for AFM, which is American Film Market. That's like the big film sales convention in santa monica every year we'll give you kind of an official test week maybe we can hire you as like an assistant to the development guy we get right, paid at this point gonna, no awesome awesome had the best weekend ever great i got a job and then we'll, you know whatever i come back on monday and i and i go where's the development guy i would be assisting and alex barter the guy who was running the place said oh we fired him uh, you're the uh, uh, vice president of, of development and acquisitions. Uh, congratulations. Wow. <laughs> you have any idea what to do? Or is it just one of those jobs? You- I mean, I vaguely kind of did. But what it turned out to be, if I had known this at the time, but what turned out is that everybody in that business vaguely kind of sort of knows. Not everybody. There's some great, really smart people in the business. But it's like most people in these kind of satellite independent C and D world movie levels. They don't know what they're doing at all. Uh-huh. So how do they survive? Cause there's no money. You're working in a business without it's any a, money. Honestly, it's a good question. Is it? Is it's this, a good no question. One ma- no one's making any money. No one's look. I wouldn't say that. Here's the thing. It's even though they deal and, and pedal in movies that they're just bad. Like the Steven Seagal movies you never, ever heard of. And wished you hadn't. 
ever heard. You know, the... Um, I just picked up Nicolas Cage in Stolen. Not taken, but his daughter is stolen. Yeah. Yeah, he's... Yeah, that's... Yeah, he's a talented dude. But, like, yeah, that guy is is got tax problems, so he's just churning out churning out $150,000 movie, really cheap movies. It's weird. Is the movie 100000 or that's his fee? No, I mean, he probably... Some of them are really crazy low where he just makes cash under the table. A lot of these movies are made for half a million, maybe. Their said budget is, you know, two million. The producers are just collecting a huge fee. The sales guys are collecting a decent enough fee. The actors are getting paid cash in a paper bag are listed as being as making scale that's kind of i think that's kind of how oh, so they're getting they're supposedly getting scale but yeah then they're they, listed as making scale and they're getting paper bags of money that's why they do them yeah ving rains i mean i mean this oh, is so you know ta- so they declare scale <laughs> i'm going so, i'm going to taxes be... no in, in general hypothetically <laughs> one would be, say i'll be blacklisted from this business before i even what do you start, think you're gonna come home one whatever. day and uh vin rain i don't know i don't really it's vin a... diesel are outside your house <laughs> oh, i see <laughs> i see bats. a black man outside with a band-aid on the back of his neck I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting nervous yeah so that's kind of how that works so they make these like Val Kilmer and like the, like oh, yeah okay yeah so yeah. how did they so, make anyway, the money so they sell farm so how do they make movies yeah they basically there's a world of billionaires who want to make a movie for their girlfriend I mean quite honestly that's that cliche is actually the sort of what I like to call the auxiliary uh, movie business that your Joe public doesn't know about how do they make money? Like, no one's seen these movies. How do they make money? That's the, right. that's the question. I'm getting to it. The answer is that there's just a tremendous group of people who want to be in show business and be by a pool smoking a cigar. And they, they don't really know anything about movies. They don't like movies. They don't love movies. They, whatever. They just, that would be cool to be like a movie guy. And some of them have money and some of them are billionaires and some of them are not billionaires and some of them are. And all these people like like gravity sort of attract one another. And there are actually people who have money who also are like that, like I said. And they all form this sort of industry, this other movie industry where money is exchanging hands, including some buyers for countries who are like, you know, you have a booth and it's at Cannes and I walk up to your booth Right, there's you a know. great poster of Steven Seagal looking thin somehow. Yeah, right. I'm shaving off <laughs> yeah, a Photoshop thin Steven Seagal. Yeah, wow. And, and there's an explosion <laughs> and a girl and a gun, right? In the po- yeah. Is there that? Yes. I, I've yeah. read that. Is that true? Like, a poster has to have certain things, or you weren't privy to that? Yeah, no, I, I definitely designed as that's what the develop, as I learned, that's what the development <laughs> and acquisitions guy does, is he helps supervise the cutting of the trailer and helps, you know, you're sort of. You're a distributor, but you're kind of this middleman, really, for the people who are really exhibiting the movie in their country and distributing and exhibiting in, in another foreign country. You're the guy between the filmmaker and those people. That's uh-huh. kind of what these small little film production companies that say, we're a full sales production distribution. It's like, no, you're not. Just you're you. a guy. At, yeah, <laughs> you're a guy renting a storage facility. But they do. They make money because there's enough people who are gullible, and I don't, it's hard to. You know what I'm saying, though. So, like, all right, so a, a rich guy wants to wants to be in the movie business. 
for him, $500,000 is nothing because it's not even a million dollars. Right. And he puts in a movie. So he may or may not see that money again, but he doesn't care because he gets to make a movie. Right, right. And that's how they get their starts. And they, and they, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm rubbing up with uh, Val this Kilmer. Dude. You know, I get to tell the, the strippers or whatever that I'm an executive producer of films going to Cannes and a couple, I mean, right? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you go to Cannes with your movie and right. you get to bullshit about Hollywood. And yeah. Big studio films. It's really loud. No, go ahead. You couldn't have got louder food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got broken glass <laughs> and a crying baby. What I was again? Eating a crying baby and broken glass. <laughs> My iron Shit. giant. Yeah. Right. So speaking of Vin Diesel, yeah, you're you're in charge of this now. So what is that? You know, what does your job entail? What does that you have to do now? Okay. So yeah. So back to the tale of all right. Congratulations, your exa- acquisitions guy and. Okay, so that basically makes me have to call filmmakers, agents, all around town, and go, uh, hey, you know, you got any clients who's almost done with a movie and doesn't have distribution locked up yet? And would they like us to help them be the sales agent? You never want to call yourself a sales agent, but that is absolutely what these places are. They're basically agents for an actual finished film. Why don't you want to say a sales agent? Because they want to. Play cigar in mouth, guide pool, movie mogul, and they want to call themselves producers and distributors because it's sexier to them because people don't like agents. My bosses are basically the sales agents. Yeah. And I'm the guy <laughs> sniffing out what crappy movie could they actually make a decent poster of. So, what movies <laughs> did you get? What kind of movies were you uh, making posters of? You guys distributing? Oh, they had a movie that they loved called the. Uh, Bangkok Adrenaline. <laughs> it's just like let's just throw it's a great title. It's kind of is a great title, I do isn't it? See that film. I've heard it's pretty good. I heard it's actually like anyone I mean, in yeah, it. Let me look it up. I, yeah, I. They even asked me. So, did you watch Bangkok Adrenaline over the weekend? Yeah, yeah, I did. It's good. It's a good movie. Good. Look, the the poster was good, and the trailer was pretty was pretty exciting. And I tried watching the movie, and it was looked like it looked like a student movie. But <laughs> oh, where was it from? It was from, I think it was from Bangkok. Oh. Yeah. So it's called Adrenaline. I think it was from Thailand. It was called Adrenaline there. Yeah. The interesting story getting to like, you know, how it connected with me was this, this movie, it it was already, I learned a lot. I did actually learn a lot from this guy, Alex Barter, about the old expression, you can't polish a turd. You can't polish a turd. But you can make an amazing trailer of a turd <laughs> and a great, great poster. Uh-huh. And people will accept it as a movie. I think we're done. I feel like that's the whole intro. That's I the mean, lesson, right? That is, that's Hollywood that in a nutshell. It was a lesson. And it was also like, why do they pick that turd and not that turd? This is, everyone knows this kind of now. That turd has sex, violence, and action which is universal language of cinema, as, as you know, Godard said, basically. It's mm-hmm. a quote of his, is all you need is a gun and a girl and a movie camera, basically. Well, he wrote some, that something like about that. What is it? Bangkok Adrenaline. He would have said that about Bangkok Adrenaline. Oh, yeah, he was a big fan. Um, and then the trailers, yeah, there's a lesson. It was a lesson in, you know, cutting trailers and and having great, you know, more care put into the trailer and the artwork than in the entire movie. You know, you put... And because it doesn't sell. matter once you you buy it. 
and then they go to these these um trade shows i mean that's what they are they're 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 big film festivals but they also have um sales go- you know tents going on i mean you know this you you right are you, you have you been no, part no, of i'm not sure i what, never went to right that. okay no so there's like four of them afm toronto can sundance and then there's kind of uh south by southwest now is getting a lot more sort of buyers and selling going on and tribeca but really it's can and afm and oh berlin hear, and berlin but you only hear about like the um you hear about can and you hear about no, no, no but you only hear about the independent film the uh sexualizing videotapes and the brothers mcmullen you don't hear about the bangkok adrenaline and- you don't because that's in the actual festivals uh-huh. but then at the same time these festivals are going on here next door there's 400 booths set up just like any other convention sales convention plumbing supplies convention or whatever Uh it is it really is the same thing and the people who are going there they're just salesmen some of these salesmen like movies some of these salesmen don't know fuck about movies couldn't care less about movies don't even watch their own movies that they're selling Uh i can sell whatever so that's what they do and they and those movies bangkok adrenaline yeah they, they don't they're not in the festival but they're one of the movies that a little sales company sells at the myriad of 400 or some odd and you get companies. more than 500,000 yeah and, and that movie was literally made for under 100,000 sure so you guys made a profit on it so yes i didn't but they did yeah uh-huh. they made money off of they it. were able to sell it for more than 100,000 different markets they yes eventually there's basically about 42 different territories uh-huh in the movie world do you do you normally sell it to all of them um no, no. depends i mean sometimes free runner did well, Runner, this we'll, movie we're we'll talking about. We'll get to that's that. a good movie. Oh, so you saw it today? I watched it today. Yeah, yeah. spent three dollars on YouTube's. Or it's, you can go on Am- if you go on Amazon through our website, I get a, a shekel or two. So I'm gonna suck on this uh, pretzel so I don't make any noise. There you go. I did get the crunchiest gardenias. It's like teeth shattering <laughs> crunchiness. It's good. I just Crunchy can't. I, feel, I hate food on air. I'll serve Jello next time. Yes. Okay. So, all right, so Free Runner starts. How does that? The writer director of Bangkok Adrenaline had his other script, and they were doing pretty well with Bangkok Adrenaline. So they're like, I have his other script I want to make. It's called Free Runner. Sends it over to me. The, the original concept of it was this guy who was like a courier guy, and he gets somehow put, they put an explosive device on him. They lock it on him, and he has to go from here to there to there. Or they'll blow them up. If you're just listening, you can't see Jeremy pointed to nowhere and then a little farther than nowhere. That's right. Just, in my <laughs> mind, I was like, oh, my God, no one can see this. He's got to. We'll have a, uh illustration on the website. I thought we were filming this. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm glad you were going to I would have got my, my Merv Griffin set out of the dumpster, set that up. So you read the script. Get the script. I'm like, I'm like, this is, this makes no was sense. Was it parkour at the time? It was, yeah. Uh-huh. And it was like, okay, I could see this is a pretty fun concept. It has the elements of, I know what they're looking for now. They're looking for action and youth and sexiness and violence. And something that's been done before, but just a little bit differently. Well, the the most dangerous game. Yeah. That's used so much in B-movies. Yeah. The, over and over uh, hunting, again. Hunting humans. Hard target. Is that the... Sure. I just got an email about one with iced tea. There's tons of these. Yeah. So basically... 
Yep. He's got to survive this Running Man. It's, yeah, that type of thing. Well, what's the original Battle Royale? That's not. I don't know if that's the. It's no, not the original. The world's most dangerous, dangerous game is the original one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. But but Battle Royale is a real famous one. Is the one everyone copies, yeah. or they go, oh, that works. The premise of his script was basically me saying to you, "Hey, Adam, uh, I need you to deliver this from here to there to there to there. You've got an hour and a half to do it." If you, if you don't get that package, this all-important package to where I want it to go, I'm going to blow you up. Now, inherently, that's almost a good premise until you're like, wait a minute. No, it's not. That doesn't make any sense. Why would he want to blow up the guy who's carrying his package? And, and, I, and I couldn't, right? Well, you never watch BJ and the Bear? <laughs> every week that would happen obviously you would fit into this company better than i did because i was like look this is a pretty cool concept the the free running and the it's kind of like speed on foot basically with oh, yeah, free yeah. running no bus you guys couldn't afford a bus right but his main premise actually doesn't it doesn't make sense doesn't hold up they're like doesn't matter all right so whatever i'm giving him notes for about for about a year or so I'm giving him this guy notes. You're basically rewriting them. And I'm and I'm help I'm helping him. Yeah. But I'm not I'm actually at this point I'm not. Okay. I'm not rewriting it. I'm just being a development guy and giving him helpful hints as to how to make it a little more logical so that there's not so many glaring doors wide open as to like what uh, mm, uh yeah. Also the thing didn't make any sense in general and it was seemed like it was written by a you know, a high school student who had but land, he, what, landed what is funny his on nationality? his head. Uh, I believe he was. I think he was American, living was. in living in Thailand. Yeah. So, um, so this guy is an American. And he's writing shit. He yeah. No excuse. He's. <laughs> you're an American. You're over there representing us. You should know English <laughs> at the very least. <laughs> and he's already written a movie. Yeah. He's written the the Bangkok. Uh, Which doesn't make any sense at all. It has. It oh just, really? Is it good a, fight it's, scenes? Is it's that a, what it is? There's a f- sense of fun about it of how amateur it is, and in a kind of not as good as. Rodriguez is uh oh yeah El Mariachi. El Mariachi but there is a kind of like these guys are having fun making this movie and they're trying to pull off action scenes for nothing and it's pretty fun anyways okay so I'm trying to help him out with this movie and eventually I help him develop this thing um but he's not listing any of my notes and he's keep every draft gets more and more nonsensical and more and more crazy and I'm like but one of the other guys at the company one of the sales agents really wanted to um make this movie because it's parkour yeah he was really and he was and he was even starting to get what's called pre-sales done by just showing people at these conventions dude i'm making this movie called free runner and it's gonna have these guys flipping and flying all over the place and he would show them just youtube clips of kids doing free running and people would go oh okay we'll (laughs) put us down for uh buying it for our territory when you guys make it so now you have to make this movie. So we have all these pre-sale agreements, and uh-huh. then you can kind of take those written pre-sale agreements and go to certain banks and get loans. So that's what they were trying to do, and they were starting to do that. Uh-huh. And then they even got a, some name actors lined up. They got, I mean, I didn't know who this guy was, but Sean Ferris, who was in Never Back Down, kind of he's kind of good in that movie too, and it's not a bad fight. It's a fight action teenage drama uh, movie. A uh, Seymour Cassell. That's a great story. Yeah, yeah, he's a legend, obviously. So, he, yeah, that is pretty amazing. But what happened here was that eventually at this company, they couldn't afford me anymore. They fired me. And that was when I got this apartment here was when that happened. I'm like, all right, let's the brakes. Wow. A week later. Good thing you 
You didn't yeah. lose all your money. Yeah. As I can see. A week later. <laughs> a week later. Uh, <laughs> are you ragging on my apartment, you bastard? No, it's great. He still has the original sheet as a uh, curtain. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never have so, roaches. There's no self-respecting roach. Uh-huh. No, go ahead. Sorry. We come here. I, I wish you had um, seen my bachelor pad. It was, <laughs> it was this, but smaller. Yeah, hey, I got a pool. I know. I didn't have a pool. All right, there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm fired. I'm I'm sitting in my 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 pool uh, <laughs> equipped apartment, and then I get a call. Uh, hey, Jeremy, uh, the script free runner. Uh, everyone's reading it now. Uh, they hate it. They, they can't make sense of it. I'm like, I spent a year telling you guys. This script has a, is, a, is a kernel of a good idea, and this guy does not a right. You can't shoot this movie. It won't hold together, and it won't work, and it's impossible what he has planned for that kind of a budget. So it's not going to happen. So good luck, guys. He's like, well, everyone wants in, but now the investor's backing out. And they finally got a billionaire to who wanted to put his girlfriend in the movie. So he was so she he the girlfriend in the movie? Yes. This makes sense why there's a Russian girlfriend in this, or no one else is Russian. It would make sense... Except for the fact that she claimed to be Brazilian, and we all were like, "You're Russian." No, no, she was very, she was very beautiful. And if I can just get off topic for a second, I didn't notice her Russian accent until like the third scene. I thought she was faking the Russian accent for some reason, and then she just kept with it. So, <laughs> you know, like she was like trying to throw somebody off, so she did a Russian accent. We had to replace all of her dialogue with her. All over again in ADR, which I'll get to in this. In a, if you have, if we have time, that totally makes sense. That but we did have we had to actually replace because what you heard was a million times worse in just the actual, you know, boom and yeah. and live uh, recording of it. She wasn't know? terrible. I thought the acting was good in this film. Yes. Yeah, so and they call and they called me and they're like, so we need like a, we need like a page one one rewrite on this, and you're the one who knows you're the one who knows this. You've been back and forth on it, and we need you know page one rewrite. On it. And I'm like. Well, do it for such such amount of money. Uh, how much time? You know, you give me like a, what, like a couple weeks at least, please. And they're like, no, we need it like like over the weekend. Like we need it on Monday. And it's Friday. Uh huh. It, it might have even been Saturday morning. I'm like, uh, okay, pay me this. No, we'll pay you that. Okay, <laughs> this is horrible, but all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll give it a crack. You know, I'll give it a shot. That's how it is. Uh, one of my brothers has a place in Palm Springs, and I, he let me just hole up there for a few days. Because your apartment here is so distracting. <laughs> <laughs> you, no, what so with all the, got the pool? <laughs> what with the sheet curtain <laughs> whipping in the wind? No, listen, you got a very nice milk crate holding up all your books. By the way, this carpet was the carpet used in the in the initial pilot. The presentation pilot for Totally Biased. This sold the show. It did. So you do have the set from Herb Griffin. I do that kind of. That's oh my god, feeling horrible about myself. <laughs> I got a weekend to write the script because the investor is pulling out. Now the part we haven't quite touched upon that we just can touch upon is no one had read the script. Nobody had read the script. So they pre-sold This had been in development movie. for a year and pre-sold things on this movie. There was a billionaire who said, oh, you got a movie? Yeah, there's free running in it and there's beautiful part for your beautiful girlfriend. And all Okay, so everyone is genuinely lined up and signed on. And now 
after they've done that and put money in place, they're reading the script, which basically just tells you that nobody reads in Hollywood. That's yeah. all. That's why you're in basic. The movie business. Yeah. Yeah. Pictures. So it's just the stupidest. It's just it's just a dumb way to run and a business. And they fired the only guy who had read the script. That's correct. Hi, I'm Asta Paredes from Return to Newcomb High, Volume 1 and 2, and you're listening to Proudly Resents. Uh, a little while back, we did something called Pod Crawl with Read It and Weep and the guys at Flophouse, where we each reviewed a different Star Wars prequel. Doing it again. Read It and Weep is back on board, and this time we got Bonnie and Maud, great new podcast. We're going to do the Batman sequels of the 90s. So Bonnie and Maude on June 5th are going to do Batman Returns. Then the guys at Read and Weep are going to do Batman Forever on the 12th of June. And then the 19th of June, Nico and I will be doing Batman and Robin. And I really think we got the best of the worst on that one. My Twitter handle is at ProudlyResents. If you're new to the show, welcome. I put up most of the episodes, like 130 episodes on iTunes, so there's a lot to choose from. You can see from the description what movie or what guest. A lot of good guests, a lot of good movies. Listen, check out the interviews and reviews and shows with Nico. They're all very funny. But that is, that is exactly what happened. So I, I basically wrote a new script. They approved of it. They said, oh, wow, this is great. This is dear. It was a total page one rewrite. It did incorporate explosive device locked on a guy's neck doing free running, but I it, I turned it into a more of a world's most dangerous game thing because, hey, I had a, two days to knock something out. So I'm like, what can I steal from and make my own? And that's what I did. And I actually wound up being very proud of the script that I wrote. Unfortunately, the uh, director of it wound up being one of the sales agents at that company. And hadn't directed a feature before let alone even like a small feature the the script got approved and they went off to cleveland and they hired me as a uh creative um consultant whatever that is it's basically code for your backup director and kind of ghost directing and that's kind of what i did i i i had just moved into this lovely abode as we're sitting here now and then like a week later, I wrote that script, and then the next week, I was flying to Cleveland for pre-production for right. the summer of, I guess, 2010, I think. It was 2010. Yeah. Did you get any of the celebrities you were promising? Grizzly Adams or whoever else? Sean Ferris had been in Never Back Down. Um, maybe a couple other things. Very Tom Cruise-y looking. But, but pro, and he was, you know. Very Tom Cruise-y. Yeah. Yeah. You know. He even says at one point, like, I swear to God, he, he improvised a line, but it was a line from uh, Top Gun, where he, <laughs> where he goes, bad guy goes, you know, uh, Reese, uh, Tamara Hassan goes, are we clear? And Sean Ferris goes, you know, with like clenched jaw, Crystal. That's, <laughs> am I wrong? That's from, that's from Top yeah, Gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And basically, and and then help you get the money? billionaire's girlfriend as, the, as, the, as his girlfriend in it. So who who helped you the most to get the money? The the girlfriend in it or the the oh, guy? The girlfriend. From, yeah. The girlfriend the girlfriend. All all day and night long. I'll 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 will I'll sing her praises for getting the billionaire uh involved. What's the budget of this? It wound up being like almost five million. Holy shit. Like four something. When all good. said and done. I mean it looks it's a good movie. I don't 
honestly. That's like, so. Oh, you were when I met you. You're like, oh, I made a bad movie, but so yeah. what? You get there, and when did things start going? Uh, immediately, we're going on a location scout. Great, I'm psyched. So off we go on our location scout. This is maybe day two that I'm there, and we're up on top of a building. Okay, I'm trying to be a, you know unobtrusive here. I'm just sort of you know observing and gonna be help when I'm needed. And I'm looking around. There's no other buildings really around here. And there's a, and it's just sort of a flat building on top of a building. And I'm like, and the director's going, Lawrence is going, ooh, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I walk over and I go, um, so what, what are you thinking about here? What, what scene are you thinking about here? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. And I go to the uh, the um, location, you know, dude. And I go, so you brought us here for, for what scene in particular were you matching this up with? Oh, well, you know, I know that there's lots of guys like, you know, on rooftops, like flipping it around and stuff. Okay. So right away, I'm like. Nobody read the script. Nobody's read the script. Or they've read the script and they don't know how to read a script. Or they've. Or they're just horrible, or they've done everything that they're supposed to do, and they're <laughs> absolutely so, horrible. They're just not good at it. This is right. It's it is either it's one of those three, right? It's haven't done your job, done your job, but you're horrible. Half done your job, and now you're lying to yeah. cover your ass. No one, it's, yeah. So there was just, you know, and as a matter of fact, the very first thing that happened was me knocking on the door of the director, and just him being drunk and stoned off of his ass in the hotel suite and not being able to wake up for this meeting that you know uh-huh. so it's like yes it it right off of that right off of the start i was like yeah this is as long as i get paid because this won't this won't make it to the finish line this no. will not make it to well the that's finish another line. thing the movie may finish i mean <laughs> it seems like faint praise but it's but, not. No, no I, I, I take that praise. So you, you do the location scout. Is there any actual location scouting? And by the way, the locations look great. That was in Cleveland? Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. looked really good. And L.A., actually, because I wound up shooting 12 days in L.A. So After you guys finished. Yeah. Basically, um, this thing is, the, the clock is ticking on our pre-production. This is, uh, you know, uh, folks out there, if you haven't seen the movie, I'm sure you probably haven't. <laughs> um you know, it's a world's most dangerous game with a lot of parkour, free running action, and people got to get from here to there before their their neck pieces explode. And it's, you know, it's it's, these guys whatever. do. It's they kind of do a capture the flag with parkour every weekend. Yes, but then one weekend they get kidnapped. Yes, drugged and, and things around their neck. They wake up with things around their neck saying that if they don't race, whoever <laughs> loses, knows if you, he knows this movie better than I do. I do. Yes, I, it's yeah. good. Yeah. So all these guys now have to race to a location. The winner gets a million dollars and doesn't die. Yeah. Everyone else gets blown up. Gets blown up. Right. And it's all sort of part of this closed circuit billionaire sadistic game like of six billionaires. Game of the year and that you they hit every they host. stereotype except for the black <laughs> You got uh, the Italian mafia guy. You got the American oil billionaire with the big hat. It's yeah. literally like a violent Scooby Doo cartoon. I mean, that's kind of what the movie is like. All those guys that warn you not to go in Scooby Doo in the beginning, that warn you not to go into the house and they turn out to be the yes. Guys, they're watching these kids. Yes. Yeah. You have the Asian stereotype. 
Um, so, so they're all watching on closed circuit. They're all watching from their respective, you know, countries on on closed circuit. Um, it's a very exclusive billionaires club death game of the year uh, that they that they host. To join the club, you got to host a death game of the year. And this year's death game is being held by this guy named Mr. Frank, who's this crazy dude played by Danny Dyer. Yeah, who does what? what Adam just just told you that he does. He's the guy who's in charge of putting the collars on their necks and rigging the whole game up and. Yeah, so that's what I came He's up the with. Main bad guy. That's what I came up with over a week, over the weekend. A, a mix good. of dangerous game meets uh, Scooby Doo meets uh, uh, parkour. Parkour. Yeah. All right, it's fun. It's fun. I'm uh, I'm on a set. I'm on a four million and some odd dollar set. It's pretty cool. It's my. It basically is my script. There's no none of the other, you know, writers are you know are part of it. They were bought out. So it's you know it's basically, um, it was fun. Um, you know, there's, you know. It's nice. There's pretty girls around. Or whatever. It's fun. You're you're in Cleveland, so you're even that much more of a celebrity because you're you're not a celebrity at all, and yet you're part of a movie mm-hmm. in Cleveland. So you know yeah, you're hot in Cleveland, yeah. basically. Basically. So it was fun, but it was very hot. And more and more, I'm getting pushed into action. More and more, I'm I'm trying not to interfere, but everyone's coming to me because it's becoming very apparent that the director is out to lunch. People are coming to you more and more for help. People are coming to me more and more for help. The The director is of no show in terms of he is showing up. His body is there, but his mind is he's gone. You know, soon I'm pressed into service and I'm directing some second unit action scenes. That's cool. I've never done that before. I'm chore- helping choreograph fight scenes and I'm on rooftops. And I'm, anyways, they finish shoots. They finish the, the production. Um... The 18-day shoot in Cleveland. Only I really absolutely know that, no, they didn't get the movie. I mean, and I don't even mean like creatively, artistically, they didn't get the movie. I mean, they don't have a movie yet. Well, they they, they just, just a bunch of action scenes? They have a bunch of fragments of things and some scenes and some things there are going to, you know, cut together. But really, in terms of the actual death race, no, that's fucked. Like, I don't know what they're going to do, but not my problem. I had no intention. I, I had no delusions that this movie was going to get actually even this far. Oh, yeah. And they hired Seymour Cassell. That was a new thing. So it's then then Lawrence was like, I want to know. I want him to have a grandpa like my grandpa. My grandpa. I love my gramps. Wait, let's hire. Let's hire, You know, what's that? Who wanted the, the actor? Uh, 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 Lawrence, the director, because he was making me rewrite every day for no reason just to keep me. Oh, he also he also wanted me to gr- grow a beard. To play a line, a, sh- a role with one line. Right when I got to Cleveland, <laughs> I'm convinced he just wanted me to grow a beard in the heat, just so I would be uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't. And they never shot the part that he kept talking about. So I grew a beard in like a hundred degree heat on tar covered Cleveland rooftops for no reason. For no reason. So just you know, lots of lots of fun, insane stuff going on in this movie. Um, all right, so they do they finish the shoot and and uh, I'm all done with my business. Adios. I get a call a week later. Uh, yeah, uh, Jeremy, uh, it's uh, it's uh, Alex Barter from uh, Strategic Film Barters. Uh, he's one you know the lead guy. And I, I I actually I, I like this guy. He's a very smart guy, but he's just he's a character anyway. So Alex is like, uh, yeah. Well, uh, what what did you, is there going to be a movie 
like, is it going to make sense? Like, I, I kind of want to, I think I want to hire you as a, as a post-production uh, uh, supervisor because I only really you know, like, this, how this is going to make sense. I'm like, I'm not a post-production supervisor. I've never done that before. So they got a bunch of scenes. It didn't make any sense. They assume the writer can put it together. Was it the idea? And I mean, they knew I was a filmmaker, too, from Hollywood no, and from they, some other wrote, shit. But, but since you wrote the script, you must know what all this shit means. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, even though the director just shot it full of holes. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, obviously, there's a, you can put it together. Yeah, right. But that's exactly right. And if they give you another bullshit title, you're really just writing the movie. Post production so, supervisor. So now I'm so now I'm post production supervisor. I go all right. I hire an editor, a guy named uh, Marco uh, Jakobovitz, who was one of the direct uh, one of the editors on uh, uh, Crank and Crank Two and and. Some other really kind of witty action movies, and that's that was my plan for this script. Was I wanted this movie to be like, kind of like Big Trouble in Little China vibe or Crank, just kind of, I guess in a way, kind of a throwback movie to like comedy action movies that were like, "Yep, this is stupid, and we're fucking having a great time," and have jokes and have violence and have just everything blown up over the top, you know. And the director and the cinematographer who had been an art film kind of cinematographer, I don't know why he was chosen. He chose like a 70-year-old, a really nice guy, super nice guy, maybe very talented too, but like he chose a 70-year-old art film director to do this really super intense, youthful, right. like... Action film. Well, even the trailer has a lot of moving around um, yeah. shots that aren't in the movie. Okay, so now I'm post-production supervisor... I don't know what the fuck that is. So I call another post-production supervisor. I'm like, can you hang out with me for lunch and just give me a post-production supervisor for idiots uh, lunch? And so he winds up helping me a little bit. I'm hiring people and, and I hire this editor. Now, it turns out he was the second editor hired on Crank 2 and not the first editor. Doesn't really matter, but that's what happened. The other editor had to go take another gig and and he was highly recommended and he did a great job. Very funny movie and very... Like, very intense and yet very funny. Well, they didn't. Alex didn't like that I hired Marco to edit the movie. I was arguing like, there's nobody better suited. He's why didn't he like Alex? Because he was like, like you told me he was the editor of Crank Two, and he's not the editor. He's the second editor. You lied to me. Are you a liar? You a liar? Uh, or are you incompetent? Which is it? And I just go. No, you know what? You don't get to talk to me like that anymore. I get it. I was a PA or whatever the hell I was for a while, but I just went through hell and I have nothing to show for it financially or or title-wise for this stupid movie. I hired the right guy. You should go with him. I quit. A month passes. Get a call from Lawrence, the director. Hey, man, what's going on? We should smoke some pot sometime and hang out, and, you know. And you want to come by the studio and just sort of check out, like, you know how the movie's progressing? I'm like, yeah, of course. Sounds good. I come to the studio, and I have a look. I, I And Marco is still the editor. And I see a look on his face, like, you motherfucker. What have you fucking gotten me into? You hire me for this, then you quit? Like, you these people look. are fucking insane. Yeah. And this movie, the trailer that you cobbled together that showed me looked like it had promise. But this stuff is not... This is fragments of a movie. Basically, what have now evolved over the course of the next six months was me getting trickled in back into the process and Lawrence getting pulled out. 
kind of voluntarily, but also kind of at the billionaire's request. And me and Marco, day by day, trying to figure out how to turn this into a movie and what could we do. And maybe we could make this happen, If but we do need to shoot this, that, that to make that connect with that. And if we get, so that's kind of, you know, so this movie got written and written and written and rewritten and rewritten and then in post-production rewritten again and, and literally rewritten where I would, I had to be like, let me rewrite more scenes for the betters. There wasn't supposed to be as much of the billionaires. Oh, there's a lot of the billionaires. Was. Very funny. So that moves the story along better. Those guys. Yeah. And that's, that was my whenever. trick. That was my trick of like, connecting the dots uh-huh. is having him and her having the billionaires and the sexy uh, stacy basically uh, tell us what like the fuck's a, going on right you have like a, a newscast a sportscaster kind of telling everyone she in the beginning explains to everybody what's going on right the races right she shows her boobs gratuitously right and then um and you had a funny scene at the end where she gets busted and arrested but so that was all shot here in la right and uh, yeah. the idea of the boobs is that just because you needed some in the movie because there was none. Mm-hmm. The Russian woman wasn't going to show the boobs. Because um, she just says, here's the plot to everybody, and here are my boobs. Now let's move on to the next one. <laughs> I thought it was funny. They wanted some boob nudity in the movie. and they wa- It was a very weird <laughs> movie because it's, it's directed by, or, you know, I, you know, I'm co-director of it, but but like Lawrence, his take on it was very serious and yet childlike. So it has this like squeaky clean kind of weird vibe about the movie. And then all of a sudden there's tits and <laughs> really graphic violence every now and then. So it's like you're watching a G-rated movie suddenly flip into R and then go back to G-rated. Right. So there's a certain amount flying. of nudity you guys needed. The Russian woman who should have been nude in these type of movies. Yes, no. Was not. We weren't showing her. Because her her boyfriend was, was like, the no, billionaire, yes. And he said no? Correct, uh-huh. yeah. Um, and, um, but then we wanted to do a love scene with, with her and him, yeah. and then we were going to cut it out, and then she was like, but I want to do the love scene, but you don't want to show nudity. No nudity, but you want the love scene. Yes. So what did you guys do? So that's what we did. We put a body... You know, whatever those those flesh toned. Really, oh yeah, yeah. Body there's stocking. no real. There's no sex scene in the end movie. I mean, there kind of is. I guess, but there's no right. So she didn't want to be nude, but she wants to have the closet. She wants to get the whole camp. What is the fantasy camp experience of a Hollywood movie? That's exactly what it was. That's uh-huh. exactly what it was. And you got. Paid we were all staying at the Marriott. She was staying at the Ritz. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because she was the star. Yeah. Whatever. So. So, um, okay, so we're in post-production land, and I'm, I'm basically taking meetings now with the billionaire and the billionaire's henchmen as to how to, okay, here's the cut so far, and how do we, here's our ideas as to what we could do, and, and it's, all right, it's moving along. We're, we're, we might even get this done in time for Cannes. And then it's around maybe like February now. And the movie was shot in the summer of 2010. Now it's maybe, maybe it's February or so in uh, 2011. Um, and, but, but they're setting these impossible tasks for me. They're like, what if this happens and this happens and that happens? We could film that, 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 that. 
but I'm only giving you $10,000 and you've got to do it this weekend though. So I would have to like write something. It was, I mean, it was crazy. It was boot camp. It was just crazy. I'd have to write something, go look that, go scout the locations myself in downtown LA, cast my, cast, my, do it myself. And then I'd only get people and a crew on the day of the shoot. I could get maybe the DP one day for some, some little kind of quasi pre-production, but that's what I did. And I, a lot of that movie is, uh, it's held together. LA is the glue. There's a lot of LA action shots and some of them long, some of them whole scenes, some of them short little, little snippets Like how they got around the corner. Yeah. So they're not just on one street and automatically on another street. Yeah. Yeah, because you can see, yeah, there's a lot of, and by the way, done better than other movies. Like, I don't know if you ever seen Samurai Cop. No, I haven't. Fantastic no. red film. The guy. I know about that movie. Yeah, he's got long hair, like a Fabio-looking guy. Right. But the reshoots, I guess he cut his hair because now he's wearing a woman's wig. So they're one scene. He's got normal hair. They're in the car. They're churning the corner. As they're churning, he's got he's outside shooting a gun with the wig on. Then he's back in the car and he's got normal hair. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys don't have any of those kind of problems. Nothing too. Crazy, crazy, glaringly. Was it hard to get everyone back? It was impossible, and we and we couldn't for the most part. I mean, we a lot of those guys were the English guys were there and gone, so they were they were done. Danny Dyer is Mr. Frank, and Tamar Hassan is uh, Reese. I could get Sean Ferris for a certain amount of days because he was one of the executive producers of it. But did he want a lot more? Is that how you got him back? Is to make him an EP? Hey, you're an EP of this. So like, yeah, right. So you have to come back. Bigger cut. Okay, so some reshoots with uh, Sean Ferris. He's not happy about it. Not happy about it, the way the shoot went. And and I don't blame him. And I got to tell you, at this point in time, I had no problem with Sean Ferris. I mean, I didn't really necessarily get along with him. We had a little minor disagreeance over a stripper. <laughs> that was... What was that? <laughs> that was... That was a real just like bros before hoes kind of like moment where I was at a strip. We were all at a strip club in Cleveland. And, you know, I finally was sort of talking to this one stripper at, at a bar and I was, you know, enjoying her company. She was at least somebody decent to talk to. Um, and so whatever, we're having fun and I'm probably going to, you know, go get a lap dance with her or something. And... um I start walking with her, and Sean goes, "Hey, hey, Jeremy, no, don't go with her. You know, uh, uh, that girl's a bitch." And I'm like, uh, "And he, and she goes, what's your problem, man?" And he's like, "Nothing. What's your problem? I think my problem is that you're a bitch. You're a stupid bitch." And I'm like, "He's like, yeah, Jeremy, have a seat here. Yeah, forget about her, man." I'm like. I don't know. I kind of like. I kind of like her. Actually, I'm gonna go for, you know, like let's just let's go. He's like, hey, dude, 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 bros before hoes, man, bros before hoes. And I'm like, all right, well, sorry, I, I didn't know there was such a high class of you know etiquette Literally <laughs> at hose. strip clubs. Yeah, literally. you know, I didn't know it meant. <laughs> I didn't know you. It meant literally hose. No offense, no offense, darling. Um, uh, was that the thing he did? 
Or is it good? Let's not at all. That was a good story. No. I wanted to... That was sort of a, yeah. You can, you can it gets even use better. it or not. No, this is just more film-oriented, you know? This I was... will leave in the stripper story. Yeah, yeah. As yeah, a producer, yeah. I think you Moving know on. that. I think you know that. <laughs> no, basically, we're filming a, a bit with him in, in a, an alley, downtown L.A. He is pissed. He is not happy to be there. It's his girl's birthday. It's Sunday. It's whatever. I mean, and I'm I'm just like, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to move on. We got to get these little bits and we're going to do this little, you know, filming of your introduction of the movie where you sort of flip over this car, you know. So we use my car. All right. Because actually, that's my I mean, we could have done something else, but we used my car because it was really crappy. I had like a Honda Civic at the time and it was all dented and fucked up anyway. But whatever. It was still running fine. So we get this the stunt guy in place for it and basically see if you can imagine this, you know, basically what's gonna happen is the car is driving towards Sean uh Ferris and he's and he's about to step up off of the like, you know, front bumper of the car and do a free runner flip over the car. Now all he's going to really do is run, 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 car's coming out towards him and he's gonna put one foot up on the front bumper cut. And then we're going to put in the the stunt stunt guy. So we're about to do that shot. And the car is actually not moving very fast. It's pretty slow, especially for this Sean Ferris shot. So um, Sean goes, cool. Whose car is this? And someone says, it's Jeremy's. And he goes, oh, it's Jeremy's. And action. Car's coming. Sean's coming. He jumps up. Lands both feet on the hood of my car. Boom. Jumps up onto the roof of my car. Boom, 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 boom. Jumps back on the little sort of hood shelf part of the back of the car. Jumps off the car. Holy shit. And everybody, that was basically how you're looking right now. Everybody was just looking at me, like how you're looking at me right now. Like, are you, this is going to blow up. This is, this is, this is good. And I just was like, moving on, you know, you're, you're, you know, I'm either going to kill you and go to jail or I'm going to choose to just not even respond to this Did, um, so i'll choose not to respond is that is that the scene <laughs> in the movie is the same flipping over so I remember we do see that that's in the very opening introductions yeah, yeah. of the movie i don't remember him destroying the fuck out of the car no 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 of course that's not uh, yeah <laughs> it's yeah. not in the movie yeah uh-huh yeah uh, sure that i'm sure i have so that. he did that because he was passing. i'm sure he was pissed that um he had to go back i to don't work. know that he was there on a sunday on his girlfriend's birthday that he maybe didn't like me that he maybe uh I didn't obey the bros before hose rule. That was my payback. I don't know. I don't know. These, these, you think star stars live in a weird world? Try dealing with like a D list star as you have, as you, you know, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's different. It's some sort of weird. They're both, they want the special treatment, but they really, um, Oh, they just got massive chips on their shoulders. So what happened? Do you finish the film? You've right. Already... So we so we finish. 
There's one last controversy I just wanted to lay into yeah. a little bit. And that is basically with the billionaire. We're almost done with the movie with all the shoots. And the billionaire has sent us now tape. He has filmed himself as one of the billionaire evil guys uh-huh. doing stuff he's written. Uh-huh. Oh, is he actually in the film? Yes. Which one is he? He is the guy with the hat. The cowboy hat. Not the cowboy hat. The guy who's in one of his The guy who's on, an, on his own private island. Oh, all right. That's him. That's the billionaire. That's the guy who financed the whole movie. Yes. Was he always in the movie? His next movie was uh, self-financed as well. That also had Rebecca in it and has Robert De Niro in it and John Cusack in it. And he directed it. What is that called? Frozen Ground? And that movie is called The Bagman. Wow. So when you've got enough money to play with expensive train sets, you get to play with expensive train sets. I'm looking at her. She is beautiful. Rebecca DaCosta. She's in The Bagman. Criminal Activities, which is shooting right now. She tried to have me fired when I tried to direct her doing ADR. We had to redo her entire dialogue all over again. So I'm, I hold a grudge. <laughs> she's in entourage she played pretty girl nightclub oh well then i i take it back yeah she knows what she's doing so um so he he <laughs> sends you the tape and it's terrible or you just never anticipated him he being sends me no and he's like you need to put all of this in the movie i don't care how but figure it out mm-hmm. okay so that happens, and then, um, you know, and then there's little other details of just, you know, there's a scene that doesn't make any sense with a guy on a jet ski and jumps off a bridge. It was, it was a nightmare, but we did. We finished the movie. We got the thing finished. I didn't get fired. Rebecca tried to have me fired when I directed her too much or not enough or who knows what during ADR sessions. Um, it all gets finished. I helped design the poster, and... We get it to premiere at Cannes, not in the festival, but outside at, 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 on the on the premieres yeah. in the booth. It no well, it premieres in the theater. It premiered in the theater. We rented theater and had a party on the rooftop oh, of a great. of a hotel, and it was fun. It was all all's well, and I got to meet Seymour Cassell, who couldn't remember any of his lines, and so I was feeding him all of his lines through an earpiece. Oh, really? When we filmed him, that was that was really a cool experience. I got very drunk with Seymour Cassell one night. Really fun. Oh, that must have been that's worth yeah. it. See, that's it was. Make movies. Honestly, it really was great. It's, How did he get involved even? Well, I wrote that part, and then we, the casting director of the movie said, okay, I'll, I, I mean, we can get Seymour Cassell for this. And I'm sure she called his agent and offered him you know, a couple bucks. And yeah. It was like 20 grand, you think? I'm sure it must have been something crazy, like 50 grand for a day's work. Yeah, because a know? lot of these people do these movies at a friend who made, they were making 20 grand. So 50 grand or whatever. That's great. And he sits, he lays, basically lays in the bed except for the one scene where he's on a boat. Not a bad gig. Not a bad gig to be one of these kind of C, D listers. Yeah, yeah. That you're just like, I'm going to a movie for three days work for $150,000. That's great. Three days work for hundred and fifty grand. So what if it just winds up being traded back and forth amongst these noodle heads at the distribution places and 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 sales uh did you, you know, think at any point this movie could make it and that this could be your ticket well i still think the actual screenplay that i wrote initially 
could be a studio movie. Right. I didn't. They kept pushing me to write bigger and bigger and more studio and more studio, and I did. And I'm like, yeah, but guys, you, you know, you're not gonna do this. You're not gonna be able. You're not gonna be able to do this. Yeah, you do ADR with her, and she um, wanted to get you fired for. Uh... Well, it all went well. I was recording. We had to redo Rebecca's entire dialogue because she started working on English after she did shot the movie. What do you? So she didn't. What was she saying in there? She was just speaking. No, English. she was. You know, it wasn't. Just had a very th- like a thick. It, dialect that was english she was spoken english but she just like you couldn't understand her so um but you've never beaten him came out sounding always sounding like but you've never bitten him (laughs) (laughs) so it was a problem we were things were not sounding right so we did the whole adr session it went well next morning i get a call from the producer warren goes jeremy jeremy what did you do after I left the session with Rebecca, like I, I got a call from David, who's the billionaire, this morning. Like he wants to, doesn't just want to fire you. He wants to kill you, and he can kill people. He has. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Just fire me. I was like, I was so done by that point. With just like, everything's a drama. Nothing happened. It went fine, and whatever. So they redid her session completely over again without me directing it, and then wound up using the one that I used. Yeah, but it wasn't about getting the best take. It was about making her happy, right? Is that- I learned a big lesson. I don't know how to do that very well. To tell you the truth, I really don't know how to do that very well. I'm not really... I just don't buy... I don't buy it. I don't buy the... high. I buy the hierarchy as long as it helps get the job done, but I don't actually buy the hierarchy as an you're actual not thing. A movie, you're you know? doing a fantasy camp for this guy and his girlfriend. Yeah. You're making... But you, by accident or by hard work, made an actual movie with a beginning, middle, and end that you were able to sell. So what happens to the movie? Because now it's out there. So, yeah. So now... So we put it out there. And they sold it to basically 35 or so different territories, including Netflix. It was on for a while, or you can maybe get it. I don't think it's streaming there, like you said, anymore, but it's on DVD. I think you can find it streaming somewhere on Amazon. Amazon, get our website, you can link to it. Yeah. And it was third place at the box office in Italy one weekend, some point in time. So it actually got theatrical release with some other movies. So it was like the third highest grossing movie in Italy. Actually, it's weird. I just got an email from somebody from Italy who was like, I would like to work with you. You do a movie. and I don't know who it is. Maybe it's maybe it's somebody way bigger than me, and I'm an idiot about it. But maybe it's you know probably just somebody who would like to. You never know. That's a whole weird world, the world of producers looking for money and just like. They'll do whatever. They'll kind of, kind of. But was it so bad yeah. to have this woman as the, the lead, the female? It was horrible. No, she ruined the fucking movie. Are you kidding me? But the part no was written for like a, like a sassy, blonde American girl, you know? And I have this like seven-foot Amazonian Russian former male model. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm sorry. You meant email model, like M-A-I-L. There's a lot of incredible actresses who worked their asses off to get a chance to do a play. But if she doesn't, if she doesn't exist, the movie doesn't exist. Is that is that a good thing or a bad thing? Is that is the world better that Freerunner is in it? I think so. Uh- <laughs> I like it. So but I want to talk real quick about your new movie. Oh. You write a movie about a plane that disappears. Oh, thanks. You get yeah. financing and then a plane disappears in real life. 
Oh yeah, that was that's weird. Yeah, that was creepy. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to get this movie made right now called Air Disturbance that keeps almost happening and not happening, and then it's hap- you know, the 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 saga of the whatever struggling filmmaker guy. But anyway, so this movie is, has supernatural uh, stuff going on inside of a plane that's very mysterious, where the whole the plane crashes, but nobody can find where any of the the passengers went, and it's kind of a found footagey sort of movie, and the movie was in pre-production and we we're just starting to get some financing in when this whole Malaysian airplane thing happened. And, uh, but the movie isn't financial. Someone owned it. It's not happening at the moment. Looking for financing. All right. So, but it has nothing know. to do with Malay. With has Malay. nothing to do with the Malaysian. I wouldn't. So you now we're waiting to see when this movie is tied up with this bullshit. sounds like, Oh yeah. Air disturbance. Yeah. Mean? It has distribution or a sales company lined up with it. It already made some so pre-sales, but I have I have no financing. But you wrote the movie and you knew... Did you write to the Air sales? Disturbance? Did you write air to... Like the found footage makes it look... It makes the budget lower. It's in one location. It's... Absolutely. Boobs will somehow appear. Guns will somehow appear. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Guns, I don't know about, but yes, action, action. and violence and, and even a sexy scene in there. And, I think it makes sense. If you know how to sell a movie and make it... And do that. I think yeah, it's an artist. It's an artist and commerce thing. That's that. You know, that's that's what it is. You Good luck with the movie. Anybody trying to it. hang on to who you are and express what you want to express, but but the medium of horror and thriller is great for doing that. I find because you get to sort of sneak in a lot of like social political. What's shit the social in there, political you know? thing in this? In Free Runner? Yeah. No, well, in Free Runner. Honestly, yeah. I could tell you about it in Free Runner, and and the billionaire made me cut it out. Uh huh. It cut out all the jokes about knock. It was it was about it's class war, basically. These kind of street urchins being taken advantage of by a middle level guy, who's taken advantage of by a fucking billionaire guy. They're all playing with, with the and the billionaire class. made you take it out. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, no shit. Thank you very much, Jeremy. If I'm an Italian film fan, how do I reach you? You reach me at. Oh, you know, I guess my website. You could check out uh, jeremysclar.com. Okay. Um, you can see some cool trailers and stuff on there. Excuse you know, or, or yeah. yeah, or find me on Facebook, I guess. Great. And right. Right. If, if you get Jeremy Sklar dentist, it's not you. I'm not a dentist. <laughs> you are, you know. But I'll tell you, if you're looking for film financing, that might not be a bad way to go. Oh yeah, go to him and then maybe I should go to him. Yeah. What are you doing? Google yourself. Guy pops up, man. It's a, it's a you know. It's a popularity contest between me and him on Google for the, for the who's, who's more popular. Fuck that dentist. Fuck that, fuck that guy. All right, man. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. It's fun. Adam, we're, we're out of time for this interview. Thanks for listening to Proudly Resents. Make a comment or suggest a film at reachadam at mac.com. Or on our comment line. You ready? Get a pencil. <laughs> I'll wait. Okay? Got one? Okay. 646-481-5476. Keep it clean and short. We might air it. Join us on Facebook or be old school and go to our website, proudlyresents.com. If you like the show, Put the episode up on your Twitter, Facebook, stumble upon, dig, you know, all those things. Tell a friend, I'm Eddie Pepitone, and my Twitter account is at Eddie Pepitone.